Hello, strangers, and welcome to episode 18 of Strangers in the Cinema. How was that? Hello, strangers, for you, Pete. Was that? That, that was not bad, right. actually. That was pretty good. I mean, the bar's pretty low so far, but I think you, you just hopped over it. Talking of a low bar, uh, there's a man that we have often mentioned on this podcast. Most of the references to him have actually been cut out by himself. Uh, but we are joined today by a new member of the podcast team, formerly known as Producer Connor, who is joining us for our first podcast with him. Yeah, in case this isn't like eminently clear, what we're saying today is that this podcast might be changing from a two-man situation to a three-man situation. If we ever let him speak. A triple threat. <laughs> can, I, so, can I talk now? Is yeah, you, I mean, you're allowed to say something. We're going to do like a really awkward intro for ages there, yeah. if you like. I've been talking the whole time. They just they, they asked me to cut myself out. It was so kind of embarrassing for everyone <laughs> yeah, until now. Your your voice broke between the last episode <laughs> yeah. and this one, yeah, so now you're in. Right. Now I'm fourteen, so they're they're allowing me on the podcast. So uh Connor, um introduce yourself to the listeners hungry ears. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Connor. Uh that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah, that that sort of summed it up. I like some films. No, I like a lot of films. I like most you like, films. You like all films, don't yeah, you? Yeah, pretty much every film. So this is pretty much why you're here, because we kind of hate on things, and yeah. you like everything, so we thought, let's get a third person on, so we can have a bloody row. Yeah. yeah. I mean, part of the thing is that we tend, uh, Paul and I, this is, and this is Pete now speaking, I think you've probably figured that out, but um, we do have... You're a not ten- new to the podcast, Pete. You've no, been on no, it for a I'm while the new guy. <laughs> we do have a bit of a tendency, I think, sometimes to present maybe one side of a particular argument, or it might be that we sort of converge on a point of basically agreeing on things, and it's not to say that we're, we're probably right, and that's why we've agreed, but um, <laughs> we wanted to have, uh, yeah, another opinion, not just to be a contrarian on the show at all, but just to have somebody else's input on maybe writing the ship when we've lent too far in one direction, maybe where we're predisposed to liking certain kinds of films over others, or we value things more. You highly. guys hate a lot of films, and I'm getting sick and tired of listening to that. So <laughs> I'm going to come in and say, no, that was an amazing movie. Yeah, or we just don't feature, review, or review them at all because we don't think they're worthwhile. Yeah, so then now you I'm know, telling you, every movie has its merits. They're going to get covered. Not every movie. Every single. Movie. Which are the two? Just before we go yeah. into the fact you like every film. Every single. Which film. are the two films that you hate, Connor? Twilight and. I've forgotten what the other one was because is it was it last days? last days you weren't keen on oh last that. days yeah I didn't really like that film it wasn't that good have you come around to it in the last hour since we yeah started? well <laughs> you know they made it and then, you know the well macaroni the cooking yeah. macaroni part that was yeah. actually quite quite that was that was the Kurt Cobain one wasn't it yeah I thought it was so depressing yeah and I I'm guessing that was the point but. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't. I don't think I cared enough about Kurt Cobain. Because well, I mean, the true story is so uplifting. Like, I know. How did yeah. they take all of that <laughs> comedy when they, out? When they take a movie and they make it better, like they could have just done that. He could have, you know, they could have made a musical out of it. He could have lived at the end, and that would so be made have maybe better. Given him a jetpack. Yeah, and then he could have flown away, and yeah, okay, would have been good. And um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, this kind of uh, increasingly shapeless opening to the show <laughs> is. <laughs> Is all to say that, um, yeah, I mean, I should do my little bit of coming up on the show, right? What are we going to cover today? Because we've got, as usual, three sections going back from the end of the show to the beginning. Um, at the end of the show, we're going to be doing another Six the Best. Last time we did Six the Best, I think it was called Best Cin- Cinema, Cinema Moments. Cinema Experiences, and all that. yes. Cinema Experiences, that's more accurate, yeah. Um, this week, to kind of go... Uh, 
you know, match up as a kind of companion piece to that one. We're going to do six of the worst experiences. Now that we've got three, do the maths. Uh, that means we're going to have two each, two nominations from each of the. Although you may have possibly maths, never had a bad time. My maths is not cinema. good. So it's twelve now, right? That's, that's <laughs> twelve of the twelve best. Of the best. Nineteen of the worst. Yeah, is going to be the, the new name. Just for it. The, the SEO potential of our whole thing yeah. just goes up, yeah. and up yeah. with all one of nine, these. Yeah. <laughs> one nine OT. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then eventually we're just going to do The six OTB hashtag has been trending since the last show. I mean. Even when I was writing that down, it didn't. I've actually me. weird. I saw it on a T-shirt the other day. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It was funny. I, was I made like, it and I was wearing it myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So that's the last section of the show. Middle section of the show, um, more so than we've done now. We want to do a bit of an introduction, not only of Connor as a new member of the team in terms of speaking on the show, but also. Uh, a, a, a reintroduction, I suppose, of myself and Paul to give a bit more background into who we are, why we're doing this, why we're sort of so self-involved that we think that we're worthwhile, you know, it's worthwhile for us to talk into a microphone every couple of weeks about films. And for anyone who's new to the show or anyone who picked up, you know, halfway through the episodes, you'll get a more rounded view of who it is that you're, you know, spending your time listening to. Then that brings us back to the first section of the show in which we're going to do a feature review of a giant blockbuster, which was uh, San Andreas. San Andreas, yes. Coming up, we're also going to run through uh, Tomorrowland, another big one at the cinema at the moment. Maybe one or two others that are knocking about at the cinema or smaller films. If we let him. Yeah, I, I might <laughs> sort of shoehorn those in team Tomorrowland, that's the reason. And um, then we also want to cover, I'm quite excited to cover, both The Prey and T for Two, which um, anyone who's been a, a semi-avid listener to the show will know all oh, 15 of you out there that have listened to yes. yeah, you, guys, the you guys interviewed them didn't you we, yes. yeah we did everyone all 100 people involved all of them yeah yeah, so yeah. The, the stuff one through hundred. The stuff that we got out of the uh, the gaffer was particularly <laughs> yeah. golden so we had we obviously interviewed James Webber and Rebecca Van, Rebecca Van Cleef from The Prey director and star of The Prey yep. and obviously Mark Brennan and Carl Austin who are the creative team behind T for Two so we've, yep. we've now got to see those films and we're going to talk a little bit about of what we thought of the end product so what's Indeed. first then? So first up is the uh, hulking colossus that was San Andreas just smashing the city into little pieces. Somebody else that isn't me set this thing up in terms can of... Can I open because I didn't like it? Or do you yeah, want... no, yeah, but don't tell us that. Back at me. Yeah. What, what, the hell, what the hell is San Andreas? I mean, we know it's about the San, San Andreas. San Andreas is the rock versus an earthquake. Yeah, it's pretty much... There that. isn't really much more to it than that. A super earthquake kicks off and lots of things get destroyed that really is kind of the crux if, of the plot if you've seen the trailer that's that's it just spread out across like two and a half hours then, then the rock goes inexplicably ignores his job and goes looking for his family yeah because it's also yeah. about something else Paul isn't it family 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 just family. like the uh, the Fast and Furious that we reviewed recently it is all about, all fam- about family. family is it really about, about tectonic plates or is it about a couple is it about a couple and the friction between them you decide uh, it's not really about anything. Um, <laughs> I, there are moments of entertainment to be had, but for me, it's far too po-faced throughout and at points drifts into spoof territory. Now, I love The Rock and I will forgive San Andreas a lot of its faults when The Rock is on the screen. Was that a pun? You will give yeah. The Rock San Andreas's faults? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ring the pun bell. Now tell us what you really think. You loved it, right? That was now, sort of set up for that pun. Yeah, it fundamentally, but when the rock's on screen, it's entertaining. He's got screen red liners. When the rock is not on the screen, which is unfortunately for far too long, he is away from the action. 
it just feels like a bad what TV about Ben movie. and Tarquin or whatever those guys are called <laughs> Ben and Tarquin <laughs> oh yeah so there's two my there's point two, Ben and Tarquin yeah, yeah 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 Connie yeah. we should mention this right like one of the because you always like from the Poseidon adventure onwards you have to have certain characters that fill in certain bits like there aren't any priests in there has to be a child in peril yeah so yeah. They, there's no priests or doctors so they got two English guys who were so ridiculously English they're <laughs> yeah. just like oh no I'm in uh, I'm in San Francisco <laughs> oh gosh oh yeah. gosh I've spilled my yeah. coffee on what myself oh, we don't have earthquakes over in, in excuse me Squire there appears to be a crack in the road yeah they were like terrible just terrible but that, I think that's kind of what a disaster movie has to have in case you didn't know I kind of liked it yeah like most films but most disaster <laughs> movies have to have all these different things that they kind of become a pastiche of themselves because they're a disaster movie. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to judge this thing on its own terms, and those terms yeah. are: does it function in the genre as an effective disaster movie that keeps your you know keeps your attention, excites you at certain points? Are the set pieces good, and does it have a propulsion that carries you through to the end of the film? I basically think, um, give or take, it does. Yeah, I think it, it's exactly. a pretty pretty good disaster. Have either you guys seen a film called Aftershock? No, no you've Chilean mentioned director before, produced by Eli Roth. My problem with San Andreas is that I'd seen Aftershock, and Aftershock is like a black comedy set during and in the aftermath of an earthquake, and it's genuinely quite funny. And I think probably because I'd seen Aftershock, yeah, there were bits in San Andreas where I was literally laughing out loud in the cinema, and I don't think I was supposed to. Well, no, no, and I think part of that problem is you say about disaster movies, and you say this thing. For me, the whole thing was just a little bit too po-faced. And you say this made this thing about oh, it's all about family. It was just too much and a little bit too cheesy in places. I think if it had embraced itself as completely over the top nonsense it probably would have been a lot better I just found it yeah perfect. I mean even the trailers they didn't they didn't really market it as it's going to be a non-stop thrill ride like 2012 was just non-stop mm. mayhem but this was like yeah it's all about like where are you going to be and who are you going to help and all that lot when it should have just been yeah you get yeah. caught between caught yeah. between two posts a little bit I think yeah. you're right on that like if it was function a bit more like a kind of B movie where it was yeah the, the rock versus the at some point the rock should have right? pulled the San Andreas fault back together yes <laughs> that would have been a fantastic scene that scene where they come to the to yeah, the fault he itself it back together and or, or it, he, yeah. he puts his arms either side yeah, and his wife walks over his arms <laughs> the muscles on his arms that's what it needs and that and that I'd have fully bought into but this, this is the thing about the rock as well because I got distracted by him a lot mm. and not necessarily in like a good way like there are scenes when he's trying to be serious and stuff and like he sheds a tear but the whole time I'm just looking at him going he's huge yeah I mean he's he looks, just a bag of muscles he, he looks like a computer game character yeah. doesn't he so this whole thing had to kind of feel like a computer game and when they go for those moments of sort of pathos or feeling it doesn't, it doesn't work it doesn't really no. work no. I mean you could because at no point was I sort of thinking like oh how would I feel if this were my family because yeah. it didn't seem like connected to no. that that thing at all but then I feel like I just sort of enjoyed it yeah on the terms whereby oh you know is the building gonna miss her yeah. well obviously it is but it's There's, fun whilst you're there there are some fantastic looking scenes in the thing but that kind of worried me because the first scene when you see the car and it goes over the the hill type mm. thing the special effects were terrible and they were all over the shop yeah. yeah and that really surprised me because I was like oh this is what the whole movie is going to be like and then I don't know why they bother putting that kind of stuff in if it's if it's a terrible shot and then the rest of the film is perfect I love that sequence though it I know really what you mean about the special yeah. effects but I really like the sequence of the helicopter rescue that set up the, the action because you, it, it did function as sort of introducing the rock as this sort of superhero you know yeah. uh, uh, rescue without, without the most that, successful rescue man on the because planet. without yeah. that scene obviously you'd have no idea the rock would be the hero well no, no. you knew he was going to be the hero but you had to have some idea that he is a character in a film and that was his character perhaps. 
and that he has a propensity for saving attractive young women because yeah. that's also important you know <laughs> when the city goes down the, the biggest tragedy is if a young woman in her 20s in a vest dies in that yeah. if a load of other like chubby people or like less attractive people die yeah we can kind of get over do it do you but... think The Rock would have saved us we're not in his family. He would have saved, so. saved me, yeah. If you, I'm, if I'm you have up the accent, though, right? <laughs> yeah. If you'd gone more like, oh, please, just play, play yes. help me. I'm <laughs> just a tourist over here. Yeah. Then maybe he would have uh, made the So effort. ridiculous. I, I I, kind of enjoyed I say, although I didn't like it, fundamentally, I do still think it's a terrible film. First time around at the cinema, I kind of enjoyed it. I don't think I'd watch it twice. Yeah, I, I'm not going to rush out and get it on Blu-ray, and I don't know if I would watch it. I'd watch like something like 2012, even like Tower and Inferno and those kind of great disaster movies. Yeah. It's not in the top five. But, but outside of the cinema, isn't it basically a husk of its form itself? Well, like, yeah. I, I think in the cinema is a real sort of popcorn experience, and I think if you had that on your flat screen at home, it it would yeah. lose a lot. Because it's there's like an hour and a half of just buildings collapsing. Yeah, and you you've seen it before. Mm. So that yeah, San Andreas, it has its faults. It has its faults. Yeah. It definitely has its faults. One of which is is not Alessandra Daddario. Is that her name? The the like teenage daughter of the Rock, who it turns out is actually almost thirty. I mean, we shouldn't be yeah. surprised by this. But no, fourteen years younger than the Rock. Yeah, probably. yeah. He started very young. Yeah, he did our Rock. <laughs> right. Moving on from that. Um, to what well, we got? Well, I guess Tomorrowland is is up next, you guys. Tomorrowland, yes. Yeah, I was looking forward to Tomorrowland. As it, was I. It looks like on on paper and on the trailer and everything. On paper, it looks great on paper. The written work. But <laughs> I kind of did the concept art for uh, yeah, Tomorrowland. Yeah. Though, right? yeah. The the trailer looked really good, and it's like the kind of movie where you're going to let everything go and become a kid. And ten minutes into it, you're going to be like an eight year old kid just watching this movie and be blown away by it. But Paul, you didn't really have that experience, did you? No, I I really wanted to like it. I mm. thought this could be like the surprise the kind of dark horse blockbuster of the summer it kind of comes out of nowhere it's based on a ride rather than an established property and I really wanted to to go in there and sort of grin with childish delight all the way through and I just didn't like Tomorrowland itself as I understand it because I'm the one of the three who hasn't seen this thing Mm. it's to do with the girl holding some kind of charm and then she's transported into another alternate world into another world of the, the f- is it in the future? Well, no, there's, the there's future, another no. like is it dimension or another place mm. where all like the brightest minds go and yeah. they can create a utopia and then eventually bring people in. Right. And bum, 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 bum. yeah, and she finds work. like a little glimpse into this world, mm-hmm. and then then she's being chased by robots and stuff, and and then yeah. George Clooney comes in and says a couple of words, and then Hugh Laurie and George Clooney plays a guy that's been there before, okay. but things have gone wrong. And yeah, it's all on 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 paper again. Going back to that, yeah, it reads like it should be superb. It's got a huge budget behind it. It's got Brad Bird directing. And you can kind of do anything with it as well. Yeah, you can like the the only limit is the imagination of Brad Bird, and some of the stuff that Brad Bird's done in the past has been brilliant. Fantastic, I mean, yeah. Incredibles, even Ratatouille was really good, and mm. uh, Mission Impossible Four. But this was like, is he just trying to sell tickets for Disneyland? My my biggest problem with Tomorrowland is, and for me why it didn't work, is it took so long to get to the story, to actually yeah. get to Tomorrowland 
And then it got to Tomorrowland and you set up Hugh Laurie as a villain. He wasn't really a villain. No, though. he wasn't really a villain. And it just, it's, it took so long to get to Tomorrowland, so long to get to the crux of the story, like something bad's happened in Tomorrowland, they need to go and fix it. And then suddenly they're there and it's fixed and the credits roll. There's so much preamble, which is kind of interesting, and I like character development, but yeah. there's too much backstory. It was, kind of, it was like a bit of a, a kid's chase movie, a bit like uh, Journey or Race to Witch Mountain, if you've ever seen that, the, the rock thing. There was like elements I've of that. I've seen the where, original. Where, I haven't seen the original. <laughs> but there were like, you know, kids fighting and robots and like space guns and like great concepts and some really great special effects. And it looked great. But yeah, the story didn't. I think you liked really it more than me because I was, I did, I yeah. was left. Uh, for me, it felt like Tomorrowland and the World of Abject Boredom because I really d- didn't engage with it particularly well at for all. For me, the concept of the whole thing, and there's this great like sort of speech kind of thing by Hugh Laurie at the end. Where he talks about the reasoning behind what they're doing. And some does have a very positive really message. Good. Yeah, I yeah. agree and, with that. And I really came out of it going, you know what, I, I can make this world a better place. And then afterwards, I was thinking, but was it worth the money that I spent on the ticket? Mm. Probably not. Like, I'd, I'd watch it again because I really like Brad Bird and I like, again, I really like the look of it. And when, when you want a bit of an escapism and you want to go to this place and be in this Tomorrowland, then it's perfect for that. But yeah, it, it was no San Andreas. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say, which way do you fall? I mean, you go to San Andreas, Connor. What about yourself, Paul? Pick between I, the two. I actually, I never thought I'd say this. I actually enjoyed San Andreas more than Tomorrowland. Right. So which is not, which is not the expectation. San Andreas is film of the week then. Yeah, That's I decided. So. <laughs> ah, I, wouldn't, I didn't think that was going to happen. I'm going to throw in one more as sort of semi-promised, which is um, I had the fortune, I guess, of catching up with the remake of Poltergeist um, what, a week ago or something like that. I went to a Saturday morning screening, which is usually where I fit in the films that, the kids. That, that I'm not really sure about. You know, like I have space on Saturday morning where I can go to something, just check it out. And it's not an ideal time to watch a horror film, really, a Saturday morning. It not, would usually be an evening. Or yeah, a... when you come out and the sun's just blazing in your yeah, face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm quite one for... With horror films, I want to go at optimal sort of time where I'm going to come out and be more scared. Like, I want to walk home alone. When we watched, um, or when we talked about It Follows... Oh, walking home alone from It Follows is a a horror in it. I did it on purpose. I set it up (laughs) so that I'd be able to walk home in the dark on my own. I want that. I want that whole experience. Yeah, Poltergeist, probably my decision to go on a Saturday morning reflects the fact that it's not... mm, Is it as bad as I've read it is? It's just a bit... I, I, I want to be one of those really irritating people that describes things as blah... (laughs) <laughs> which uh, I'm not going to be, but it is a bit that. Um, yeah, Sam Rockwell's in this. He's great. He does yeah. sort of Sam Rockwellisms for about the first half when they're setting up the fact that a family's moving into a house and the house is a bit creepy and we've been in here before and um, certain parts of the house are places maybe you shouldn't go to and look, there's a creepy clown and the kids are a bit freaked out, but they're not, they're saying stuff, but mum and dad aren't really listening too much, you know? Um, Rosemary DeWitt plays his wife. I like her a lot. She's got chops as an actress. Uh, there are two kids, one um, very young daughter, actually three children, sorry, a sort of teenage daughter, a, a youngest son, and then a, a very young daughter. And it's the youngest daughter who starts being the one who is creeped out by the television, you know, the Poltergeist yeah. is it, story. Is yeah. it the story any different from the first? Not really. Original? No, not really. But the, but the problem is with remaking Poltergeist, I think, is that some of the issues that were at the heart of the original mm. aren't really 
particularly cutting edge or relevant It's the problem with remaking many horror films. Like Horror is normally a product of society's fears at the time. If you remake it, it loses that edge. Yes, and if you take it out of its context, I mean, the same like the old boy remake. I mean, there it's not so much time as it is culture, but if you move it to another context, it maybe just doesn't work. Chainsaw Massacre is another prime example of that. Was was the Chainsaw Massacre where she inherits a house? Was that the remake? Or was that Uh, that a a sequel? That's the laughable sequel, weirdly enough, with Alessandro Gisardio in it again. I yeah. think that's just Texas Chainsaw because that kind of changes the story because I yeah. thought that was a remake that's why I thought like that wasn't too bad as a remake because they kind of changed the story mm. uh, there's no point in calling it like Texas no. Chainsaw like is there much point in this Poltergeist movie existing no there's really not and that's sort of the worst rub against it I think is that I, all you want then once you're like okay it's make, remaking Poltergeist nothing's too different um, what am I here for well I'm here for some sort of jump scares and I'm here for a, yeah. you know a kind of a ride right but once we get to the last third where things play out where they have to the, have to retrieve the child from the other dimension yeah. and there's a rope and there's a guy who's coming to rid the house of the, the spirits and things like that it just is very sort of by numbers and you're kind of counting down the minutes until it's over and, and I guess if you've seen the original you, you're like waiting for, you know what you're waiting for yeah and I mean you get yourself into that situation I mean I'm not I wasn't I didn't have to go and see yeah. this remake but with the people who are involved in making it particularly Rosemary DeWitt and Sam Rockwell I thought well you know I mean it's fairly chance, safe hands yeah. like how bad can it be okay, yeah. but it is the fact that they, and also you just find those kinds of actors you know you, you have a calibre of actor doing not only um, horror remakes but horror films in general well, when Ethan, Haw- days, right? Ethan Hawke turns up in so much subpar average horror rubbish yeah, yeah. oh Ethan Hawke's all over yeah. those things and, and, and many others I mean Jennifer Connelly's in, in Dark Water mm-hmm. and, he, and there's on and on and on but by the yeah, by the sort of second half of the film, they're just they might as well be any actor or actress because they're just running about doing. I, just, I think it, it, it really depresses me when they start making or remaking these movies that were not just cult hits, like they were big movies, and there's a reason why they were so good, and it's it's not so that they. And can the, the other reason the remakes never work, well, occasionally remakes have worked. I quite like the Evil Dead remake, but you yeah. can tell with the Evil Dead remake, it is made by someone who gave a shit about the original. Yeah, yeah. Seems like Poltergeist. They just put. You've made a music video. You can make this horror film, and they don't care. Yeah. They're just meant to. Put I mean, bums on talking seats. of which, you came up this week, didn't it? That uh, Big Trouble in Little China is potentially going to be remade. Why with um, the rock in it? That's okay then. Yeah, right. I mean, if the rocks, <laughs> yeah. Rocky, Rocky, yeah. Rocky, Rocky yeah. Mayavia, then yeah. I'm in, back in. Um, yeah, so that basically wraps it up. Poltergeist is very much one to miss. I mean, there's not much reason for its existence, and so there's not much reason for you to go and see it. I would say. Well, you've I avoided it. Yeah, based on your unrecommendation, is that word? Non recommendation. You, you could say Poltergeist remake lacks spirit. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> moving it on. Well, talking of puns, oh, uh, I've run out best. of I've run out of tea. Oh, or two <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess this brings us to the section of the show where we get into short film reviews uh, two in particular that's T for two let's do that one first I guess you set it up so beautifully and then The Prey first of all T for two this is uh, Mark Brennan as director Carl Austin as what exactly is Carl Austin's credit on this thing the producer I think he edits and, does... and vi- visual effects I saw in there in the yeah. credit run as well um, but those guys were but on those the show those guys collectively being pork chop pictures so they're right. they a Collect- a small collective of people that have worked on a number of short films together. They do eight ball, was it? Yeah, yeah eight ball, Soul Matrix, Soul Matrix, a number, a number of films that we featured on the site, um, and and the interviews. What two episodes uh, episodes ago? I think, yeah, the, inter- like the interview with them was two episodes ago. Yeah. So you can get a lot more insight on them from two episodes back. And this is their uh, their latest effort, and I think by far their largest budget f- short film to date. That, I think that definitely shows. Like they, they've they've taken their time with the making of the film, and it's all in the production. 
Like it's it's a good looking short film. Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about the story? Because they didn't talk about it in the interview, did they? I mean, I think they deliberately sort of stepped around giving any any big parts away. of the. Yeah, the yeah I wouldn't spot. I mean, this the kind of premise is it's set up in a tea shop yeah. but everything is not as it seems mm. yeah that's right with yeah. That, and I don't think we can re-say any more than that without spoiling yeah, it yeah further than that we've got a couple of, of sort of star draws in this thing considering you know where these guys are coming from building a re- reputation as short filmmakers they've managed to get a John Chalice on board that people across this country anyway will know from Boise. Uh, as Boise from Only Fools and Horses for all our sort of Cambodian listeners and uh, yeah. you know those of you in sub-Saharan Africa these might be less recognisable names or but... really famous or yeah who knows who knows and how far that following Barry as well isn't it Amanda Barry, Amanda yeah. Barry who was in Coronation Street right right and so immediately you you have this sense that they're working with yeah some people who have been around the block as, as actors uh, yeah. uh, you know and have sort of perfected their craft and wouldn't just jump on board with any old project so they're obviously yeah. endorsing this thing by, by getting involved and it does it does give the film a quintessentially British feel about oh, it very to, much have, so, yeah. to have these two sort of established character actors and they're not playing against type they are playing the same kind as you'd expect them to play sent in a tea shop it does, it does have a quintessentially charming Charming feel about it. Yeah, and uh, it looks great. I mean, how long is this? 15 minutes long? Yeah, around about that. I think maybe a little bit too long, uh, 15 minutes. That would yeah. be one of my criticisms. It's an interesting one, isn't it, with with short filmmaking, I think, because it, it, we said earlier on, like, it sounds like a strange criticism to say, yeah. oh, something could do with being shorter when it's within the short film format. But I think there is a real balance to strike between um, having more content in your film and just tightening up a little bit on the on the running time and the yeah. focus, I guess. Yeah, the, like, the, I mean, the pace was good, I thought. But yeah, you kind of, at moments you are kind of going, oh, where where exactly is this going? Which is not necessarily a bad thing to say. Because I think with a short film, you're kind of looking for a twist, and when there's and there's a couple in there uh, that are kind of like surprising. Um, there's the first one where they're, they're looking for some tea. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I, I think this is going to go in a direction. Yeah, there are there are some expect. nice twists and I just for yeah. me, it just could have been tight. I think if it had been shorter, it might have might have had a more lasting impact. I mean, it? I suppose mm-hmm. the other side of that argument would be if we say that you know the the casting sort of supports the uh, the concept of the film and the setting and this yeah. quintessential Britishness, then that leisurely pace maybe is actually deliberate yeah, that's and, true, and yeah. serves the film to the extent that you know life in your your twee English tea shop moves at a pretty slow pace. Unlike the second film that we're going to come to in this section, there it's not at least uh, ostensibly this is not a film about um, kinetic action violence uh, shock horror none of those things so to have this steady regular pace Mm. maybe is is the right choice to make yeah yeah I think overall I think there's a lot to like there it's not my favourite of the films they've made I like it when they are a little bit punchier. Do you think then, shorter, because but... because you know quite a lot about those guys and the movies that they've done and the, the things like that, that when you know that they've got like a, a budget behind them, do you think you are you kind of looking for something like that really kicks you in the face or or what? Like because it, it's it's in no way, shape or form a bad short film. It was just eight ball like was more shocking or it just didn't you feel like it just didn't grab you in the it same didn't grab way. me in the same way that eight ball grabbed me and although I've I've said that I didn't particularly find Soul Matrix that funny again it grabbed me as as a great example of a of a genre piece that I could respect and I just don't think T for Two grabbed me as much as the other films have done it didn't whereas the other films they've grabbed me and I've gone yes I almost a hundred percent know that is a Pork Chop Pictures production yeah this one didn't feel quite 
as porkchop like do you as think, the other do you think to that extent and we're not meaning to, to interview you but obviously your relationship <laughs> with them is, is close it's to over us. now uh, <laughs> <laughs> was yeah sorry past yeah, that yeah. was um, do you think almost though the, the knowledge that, that Connor mentioned of the, the money side of things um, and, and we you know let's not get carried away it's not a giant budget but compared no. to what they've had before mm. it's a bit bigger do you think that could all, almost be like a, a little bit of an albatross in terms of coming at it as a, a reviewer of the film uh, where you might your expectations might be raised so high that it's very difficult for the film to live up to those expectations because you you ramp them up maybe in accordance with the the money available perhaps yeah perhaps i I would agree with that to an extent and again it's it's very difficult because i'm because i know them i'm now hearing they're going paul said it was shit that's not what i'm saying at all and i want to make it perfectly clear because i think there there is a lot to like about it i just think they've made better films in the past i really want to see like a feature length film from those guys yeah. I think that'll be really interesting to see because they do they do different things and interesting things and considering what they did with that size budget it'll be really inter- it's like it's like I'm not saying they are the Wachowskis but they went from doing something like, <laughs> like put that on the poster <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying they are the Wachowskis I'd be intrigued to see Carl become Carla yeah uh. <laughs> well, because the funny thing is watching this the, the one film that really brought to mind Jupiter Ascending like yeah. almost almost shot for shot a remake I mean that. it is if the generic, rock was really? in it, I, you, that's the only thing that could probably make it better. If they had changed John Chalice for the rock, yeah. Then but but joking aside, I mean, I think it's a, a good point that I think the pork chop stuff, kind of depending on your sensibility and the things that the genres that you're most into, because they do yeah. switch around and do different things. Like I would basically come down on the part that um, I my favourite of what I've seen that they've done was Soul Matrix that you mentioned Paul and I think that's because it had this sort of sense of humour that clicked with me a bit more than maybe the sensibility of Tifa 2 having said that yeah I'd agree with Connor that I think it was a very well made short film and I think it it functions in its own universe and the universe is is quite a a unified one if that's not overusing (laughs) that word but um, yeah it it serves its purpose very well I think and the elements that we're not allowed to talk about, they make me really like it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I really, they, they really add like, a lot. I think they add a lot. Yeah, I really like that concept, and I think that. And if anything, like we say, it could be it would be nicer if it was shorter, but also I think give it like another ten minutes, and it could have really gone into something deeper about the characters and what they're trying to do and things like that. So yeah, give them a hundred million pounds and let's see what they do. <laughs> yeah. So a, a lot to like. Yeah, like, but overall, so, maybe so, yeah. not, not your cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Uh, yes, so this brings us on to the second of the featured short film reviews. That is The Prey, James Webb's The Prey. And that interview would have been going back three episodes now, right? Yes. It's like 15. We're I think it was now. 15. Yeah, th- three episodes ago, we had Rebecca Van Cleve, who is the, the lead actress in this. And we had James Webber, who, of course, is the director. And a very different proposition from T for Two, this one. Uh, it's about half the length. It's around about eight minutes, I think, running. And it also a very, a very different proposition from what James Webber's made in the past. Right. Um, if you know James I mean I don't know James that well I know him I know him enough to know that he is a huge horror film fan so for him to turn his eyes to horror was always going to be interesting so had he not done a horror movie before as far as you're aware as far as I'm aware no he no he, have... he did he implied that he sort of hadn't I think when we, we mm. talked about oh, really? it yeah it seemed like not a direct case, horror film in that case well done because that that was 
I mean, we like, what are we not allowed we to can, talk about? We can this? set it we up to the extent. We can't really spoil it. No, we're not going to go into to plot twists and turns and things like that. But I mean, the setup, and I think this was mentioned in the interview show, so of course you've listened to that already because everybody is a repeat yeah. listener at this point. But um, the, the basic premise is there is a couple in a car, they're driving home, it seems to be Halloween night. Um, they're not getting on too well. The um, character played by Rebecca, Rebecca Van Cleve is the, the girlfriend, it seems like, anyway, as far as we know, is the girlfriend mm. of uh, James Alexandru. Um, who we also mentioned in the interview um, probably wants to kill me now after that interview yeah he's, he's hunting for you <laughs> as, as we speak and um, she because of a little falling out that they have decides to leave the car and walk home on her own through what looks like a not particularly um, safe or appealing part of London um, yeah Aside from that, what happens from there on is the sort of macabre, the Halloween-tinged uh, element of the story. Yeah, did, I mean, did it work for you as a horror film? Both of you, I suppose. Yes, I think so. I think it was it was punchy. Didn't outstay its welcome. It was it built an it built an atmosphere quite quickly, which is often quite which is very difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, by the time you've settled down into the movie, the movie, the film, the short film, it's. It's already like kicked up a pace. It's done, and then you've and then you're reading the end credits type of thing, which I think is really good. Like eight minutes is, is quite a long time, really, but it's not in this movie. It flies by, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think the camera work really lends itself to that because the camera doesn't stop moving, as far as I'm aware. I don't think it, it's and this and this really feels like a, a showcase. Like whether yeah. James designed it that way or not, I don't know, and I can't speak for him. But it does feel like a showcase of a of a young director sort of showing what he can do. Yeah. Whether it's as a horror film director or just as a, a film director at large, there are a lot of sh- yeah varied shots, camera movements, yeah. techniques, combinations with music and atmosphere that really pull you in fast to yeah. to the. And the I think it, it's a nice juxtaposition to his earlier work as well. If you look at Saror and Driftwood especially like the poignant sort of artily shot dramas and kind of and I, I think I mentioned in my review of Saror that at time my one criticism of Saror was at times it felt like a bit of a rerun of Driftwood and it'd be nice to see James do something a bit different and I think with The Prey he has proven that he can do that and a lot of people and it's quite interesting that he's actually, a lot of filmmakers will make horror films to start with because they say oh genre films are quite easy to start and to an extent that's true but they're also not easy to do well mm. so it's yeah. quite interesting for him to go from drama to horror and prove that and I think he's proven that he can handle horror in yeah. the prey and what you mentioned before about him being an existing you know a horror fan before he made this film is, is very evident because you can see all kinds of fingerprints on this from yeah. uh, the, the sort of pulsing sounds of something like The Thing near the beginning yeah. you've got uh, a sequence that looks quite a bit like a sequence in uh, Gaspar Noe's film Irreversible which mm. albeit not Essentially, a horror film is, I would argue, uh, within that bracket. Um, there are, yeah, all you've got the, the sort of electronica score, yeah, that's, that's quite hip right now in kind of like it follows and the guest. Yeah, we would drop that reference that we had earlier to a particular musical artist, but I think that would be a bit of a spoiler. But yeah, look out yeah. for a, a reference <laughs> yeah. to a to, to yeah the videos of a particular artist. Yeah. And again, whether that's deliberate or intentional, who knows? But there's a lot in there. There's a lot going on for, for yeah, fans and of the genre. You couldn't really have two films differently of The Prey and T for Two yeah I mean one's completely during the daytime and this one is this one is all night The Prey isn't yeah, it yeah. which at times I thought I kind of you could kind of tell like it I don't know if they were going for like the Michael Mann type of look with like the mm. blurry lights and stuff but it seemed a little bit grainy like mm. they'd had to up the aperture to try and get in all the light but mm. then and then the next shot is a perfectly lit nighttime shot mm. so that would that would be my criticism of it at times yeah. I did feel a little bit like I oh mean, I 
I mean, whilst we're there, the, the the one that I pulled out when we when we watched this was the opening sequence in the car. I felt like mm. the sound had a kind of muffled feel to it. Yeah. That although it felt um, sort of realistic and authentic, maybe didn't necessarily. It wasn't serve an entirely finished cut that we the, watched. The clarity oh, is, really? is that right? Just, just okay. to make that, we just should to bear that, that in mind. Yeah. yeah, we should bear that in mind that we yeah. it's going to be polished off before it's actually. Um, but it's, it it was good. I enjoyed it. I would recommend it. As oh, a I really short enjoyed film. it. Yeah, and I'd, I'd recommend both great piece, both short films from tonight. To be honest, they're very different. Yeah. Will probably appeal. I can't say that both will appeal to the certainly won't appeal to the same audience. Yeah, but both both good at their genre. I think. Yeah, both, and, and I mean, all filmmakers involved are. I think it's not with personal bias that we can say this, but they really are going places. I mean, this isn't the case of you know sort of doing someone a favor by covering their stuff and sort yeah. of trying to find nice words to say. I mean, uh, whether it's Carl and Mark or or James and uh, of course Rebecca involved in the prey, they're going places, and there's going to be bigger and better mm. in the future as well. I think so. Yeah, really pleased that we can be involved in, in maybe pulling a bit more attention to so that. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the buzz started yeah. right here in this, this is the launch uh, in this studio. Look at you taking credit for the podcast. Though. Yeah, I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even watched them. I just, I just heard these guys talk about it and made it up. So talking of the podcast, yeah, we were going to talk a bit about Strange in the Cinema, Us... Is this what we were going to do? Is this- yeah, this is exactly what we're going to do, Paul, because um, what I think is important now that we... I mean, it's easy to sort of pour scorn and really play down our show, like, oh, you know, no, nobody's listening and things like that. But when you go through, and I do with an alarming regularity, the statistics for the show, we've got a smattering of listeners from all over the world, and we've also got people who are clearly coming back to the show, mm. which is, like, fantastic. Thanks, I mean, Mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them family members, <laughs> yeah. admittedly, but uh, they're coming back. So what I want to do uh, sorry, that just reminds me of the, the story I told you about my mum printing out all my reviews. Do you remember this story? Oh, Pete? that is oh, yeah. a heartwarming and it's also if I, so I, I will share this. I will share this, I think. I think this is kind of relevant to what we were talking about. So okay, we... so this is a part of Paul introducing himself <laughs> yes, on the yes. show with a my mum printed out my review story. Yeah. So uh, when this where, where the, the Strange in the Cinema website first started up, I'd done a number of reviews and I was kind of naively thinking, I'll just write some reviews and then, oh, I'll be a paid, for, be a paid film critic, great. Life doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Uh, however, I looked online, checked the hits for all the reviews, and every one of them had been hit. Nice. And I was just like, right, I'm being, I'm being scoped here, I'm being scoped. <laughs> so I sort of sat there, waited, sort of three weeks went by, and I'm like, yeah. And my mum went, how's the website going? I'm like, wow, someone printed, someone, someone looked at all the reviews, and she went, oh... Oh, that was me. I was so proud of you that I've printed out every single review that you've ever written. And here's, all, a, fo- and here's a folder for you. Oh, there you go. And yeah. I'm like, thanks, Mum. That's lovely. <laughs> you can take But you can home, keep the you? folder. I, I, I left the folder with her. And it was very lovely. And very lovely. You know the next And I know thing, she's listening. See, now, well, so. now you've told me that, and you, you sort of repeat that story, that's made me think the next time we see your mum, she's going to tell us... I've actually I've been looking on the computer a little bit and I've worked out this VPN thing and it means that you can appear to be all over the world <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and all <laughs> of those podcasts yeah. are going to be oh, yeah, the, the, the work of your mother and um, uh, I love you mum it was very sweet because I know my mother will actually listen to this so yeah, well, Shout out to Paul's when, we, when we were around in uh, at your mum's house not too long ago, uh, she was yeah, it was like it's like our greatest fan, sort of keen to ask lots of questions about like, oh, when you talked about this and that, and what's your background relating to this film? It was brilliant. Go go again for sure. And the cake was fantastic. Let's not brush over that fact. Um, Paul, you kicked off. Maybe though, it's a good opportunity to open up a little bit on um, 
and everything about yourself just you know yeah. tell us about your feelings no I mean I mean what got you into films in the first place like you you've just told a story about starting a website but go back a little bit like what is the reason for you being a film fanatic these days when did you become self-aware like Skynet <laughs> um good <laughs> start uh, like have you got a first you know first time I went to the cinema and it blew my mind we well, mentioned last I, week great experience I think I remember all. the first film I forget which is the first one I ever saw at the cinema I've got a feeling my mum might have taken me to a re-release of Pinocchio at the cinema but the first time I remember going to the cinema is to watch the 80s masterpiece Masters of the Universe oh now there that explains a, a lot that's not, even, <laughs> that's not even a film that's a motion picture so that was probably the first time the first time I got into well remember going to the cinema in terms of when I got into films my dad had, was really into John Carpenter and had all of his films on video apart from one he could never find and that kind of went on so you were being dragged around video shops and so I was kind of enticed by covers I suppose then like looking at things and, and what they are and I don't know just for me it's like the perfect form of escapism and mm. then in terms of where I am now so that was when I was a kid and then I've always been quite into films anyway, obviously, as we established when we were interviewing Mark and Carl last week, I go way, way back with the guys from Porkchop Pictures, and they were making films, and I got involved and acted poorly in some of their films, right. and that was that was also enjoyable to get involved in the production side of it. Went to university quite late in life, um, did a film degree, and based on the film degree, they ended up setting up Strangers in the Cinema in a slightly different form but, to what but we But you've jumped today. over a point there, because, um, and I'm aware of these details a bit, but for the sake of the listeners... You said I went to film school or, or university to study film yeah. fairly late in life. And it's true, is it not, that you left behind a relatively comfortable, well-paid job in order to follow your passion of films and, and go and study film. So why at that point did you just say, right, I've got to I've got to take the plunge? Like you could have coasted along in, you know, wherever, whatever office, in whatever mm. place for, for the next 25 years. So why did you decide to, to jump ship on that and, and go to the film degree? I don't know. I kind of thought that there were, as much as I was a big fan of film, um, there were gaps in my knowledge. I mean, for example, I had no idea what French New Wave was. Mm. I'd heard the terms mentioned. I'd heard German Expressionism mentioned. And for me, it was kind of fulfilling in... Part of the reason I went was to fill in the gaps. The gaps in my history, in my knowledge of film and the other reason is genuinely I would have loved to have gone on and become a film lecturer mm. and the masters followed up with a PhD money just wasn't there unfortunately mm. uh, whether that happens or not in the future I don't know I'd still yeah, like I mean, your life's it. not over no my life's not over no I am I am a, mega, I am a mere 33 uh, that would you know that would probably be the dream would be to lecture perhaps but mm. at the moment the money's not there to but do now you can just lecture it, people so. who voluntarily now, yeah. click on this show yeah. so you know you're kind of living the dream already so, in some ways without the salary to kind of go with it I guess. this is well, the yeah. new university this is the university of life it right? is it's most universities yeah. are like podcasts now exactly. aren't they most courses yeah. digital stuff, anyway seems like so yeah so Christ enough about me and it's rare you'll hear me say that enough about me yeah that's true what about you we broke him not so producer Connor. Oh, I like I like how I've been demoted. Now. Yeah, you yeah, have. Yeah. No, I want to hear about. Yeah. Let's hear about Pete. Let's hear about Pete. It's because I was uncomfortable with your line of questioning. <laughs> Pete, how yeah. old are you? What's your blood type? And the three digits on the back of your cup. Um, I'm as old as you think I am. Um, <laughs> so yeah, with me and films, I, I think Paul mentioned something that that really resonated with me, which is um, 
very very common I guess from film fans but that his film was the best form of escapism and for me growing up um, from the time that I could first sort of have a TV in my room or have access to films that maybe I was making my own choice to see rather than getting taken along you know to family viewings and stuff were you like the that. boy with a camera for a face <laughs> I was sort of the boy with a television in my face I guess <laughs> Um, yeah from that time I found that like I wanted um, to look through the looking glass if you will I wanted to look at other parts of the world I wanted to travel and I wanted to see things and the way that I found I could do that was either through books or through films and so um, I read books beyond you know suitable for my age I found out this great trick and if any kids are listening if you go to the library there's no certification on books well what, what the hell's a library Oh, they still exist. They're they just, just about exist, yeah, in, in digital format. No, they, they is, do still exist. Is that where the novelizations of like Gone in 60 Seconds and all these movies yeah, are? Yeah, the audio oh, books okay. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can get... A whole section of books based on films. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> the, the screenplays. Yeah. 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 Um, so there was that, for me, which was um, a great sort of comfort and a place where I felt like I could kind of learn who I was or mm. am and then there was films as well and it was as I mentioned in the bio that I did for the site ages and ages ago it was things like um, earlier David Cronenberg movies and stuff where you experience that when you're 14 years old 15 years old and you think this is something other people don't know about yeah. like of course you know other people in the, the in the world do yeah. right but you think hey, people in my school or people you know in my, that I hang around with them they have no idea so this becomes your thing and for me it really became one of my things where I felt like you know, there are people out there making films, involved in films and creating these worlds that get some of the processes that are going on in my mind and that can kind of connect with those better than maybe the people that I speak to on, on a day-to-day basis. So I guess that is essentially what escapism is, isn't it, to a certain mm. degree? And then getting away from maybe difficulties or problems that you had that everybody experiences sort of growing up and going through teenage years. And then, I mean, we shouldn't brush over because it didn't come up in your story. Um, I'll, I guess I'll jump forwards and then jump back that... The reason that we got involved together, at least in doing anything related, are we involved to, now? You're involved. Well, yeah, I guess we're, we're involved. Is um, is that I had been away from the UK for a total of four years. It's something again that's been mentioned on the show. I was in uh, uh, Korea and then I was in Canada. And when I came back to Cheltenham, which is this town and, and my hometown where I grew up, I really found myself at a bit of a loose end in terms of like. I didn't have the network of friends that I previously had the last sort of however many years and I didn't really have the outlets that I wanted so I started um, looking for things to get involved in where I could just go on my own like I'd go to the cinema on my own I'd go I joined a book group on my own I moved into a flat on my own um, I was just looking for ways that I could try and be the person that I know I am without having to rely on other people I think in that period yeah. and then it was at that time that I bumped into Paul um, you know half cut outside a bar where all the what? best friendships start I guess <laughs> yeah. and uh, and got chatting and it just happened that Paul was a guy who was saying well actually I'm you know I'm doing a website and I thought well that's what I've kind of wanted to do but I've been a bit too lazy to do for a bit or maybe I've been involved with other things but it never really went anywhere and so before we knew it you know I did a couple of reviews and, and we hung out and became friends aside from just doing the the podcast writing and uh, podcast writing the, the film writing and the eventually podcasting I, I suppose um, so yeah I guess that's the potted version of a sort of jump from childhood to this point for me what, um, brought, what brought you to us? Uh I like film. Oh, yeah. films. Done. We could have just yeah. said that. I like yeah. film. 
I like yeah. all films. No, I I think the whole the whole video store thing they they used to exist. They don't yeah, they exist did. anymore. That that I I remember loving going to like the video store, getting in the car, and every single time looking at like the. I was going to say the top shelf. <laughs> we were never allowed those. But like, there was all these films that we were never allowed to watch because we were too young. We were like six and I wanted to watch Alien. Nothing oh, but movies like that. Every time you pick it up... And, and no one has this it. experience now. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I'll click it on Netflix. Yeah, it's fine. Right. Weirdly enough, you say that, sorry to interject here, my dad used to... It won't, probably won't get arrested now. It's been a lot, It was a long time ago. He used to hire videos from the video shop and then copy them from cassette to cassette but he'd edit out the bits that weren't suitable oh, really? so up until the age up until the age of like 18 I thought Terminator 2 was about 40 minutes long <laughs> but he did well because he, he he only left the bits in that he thought kids would talk about in the playground and I'm watching it going this is some kind of director's cut so you had like it? the highlighted version so for me the the, direct, the actual director's cut of Terminator 2 was like soup was like the final so, cut yeah, yeah and I was like so what, your dad, what is this film your dad's basically like the homespun which, BBFC which, right yeah. which got <laughs> around to be fair it got around my mum saying no you can't watch it so yeah. you, got, you got the storyline and everything yeah my, I think my, my first experiences with film were probably going to go see something like Pinocchio or Snow White and Seven Dwarves went at the cinema but at home it was watching Dumbo Ori- on the day. original releases or on yeah the original releases I'm, I'm 94 <laughs> it's predicted back in 41 uh, Pinocchio was in black and white no like watching Disney movies and stuff obviously because you're a kid but then when when our parents would let us watch like these 18s and things like that I remember watching Terminator when I was like 7 like if you have a 7 year old out there do not let them watch Terminator because it's it's not for 7 year olds but also it was one of the coolest experiences oh, ever. Absolutely. I mean like things Terminator. like Nightmare on Elm Street I got yeah. to watch because I yeah had a little tiny TV and watching I was like yeah. heart pounding. Yeah, this exactly. is gonna be incredible, what an experience. And afterwards I thought, can I just like unwatch that? Can I take it out of my mind because it's you, damaged you me now? But I kinda wish I could take them out of my mind just so I can watch them again. Yeah. Just for that. See first my parents time. were so strict with stuff that I watched that I didn't pick up and I'm a big horror film fan now as you know, but they were so strict on what I could watch. I didn't pick up these films like Nightmare on Street I probably didn't see till I was 16, 17 for the first time and then you just but that your hunger up. was sort of yeah, greater it, I know, by yeah. that point I think I yeah absolutely I was just like oh my god look what I've got to watch now so that was good and bad in a way but for but, me there were there were a couple of things about film that I just it's so good like film I love it so much like I wanted to know <laughs> I love it so much I, I love to so marry much. it yeah <laughs> like, and, then, and then like Jurassic Park came out and I think that was the first time I became like self-aware and I worked we, we in about, the cinema. We talked about yeah. this on last week's podcast. And it was so yeah. good. And then I remember like everything like you guys talked about, the marketing campaign and then watching like the little making ofs and I wanted to know exactly how they did everything in that movie. And I, I, want, I want to know how to do that with every single movie, which is why I, I now love Blu-rays and DVDs because of the, the special features. Lord of the Rings. I didn't like Lord of the Rings when it came out of the cinema. I fell asleep so many times and I kind of found it boring. But then someone lent me the extended edition box set and I watched like all 180 hours of how they did all the sounds and all that lot. And I fell in love with the movies. And it's that kind of thing about movies that I love. It's the magic show. It's it's mm. the behind the curtain. It's how all these elements come together to make this perfect film of escapism, essentially. Again, the same thing. And yeah. And, and sort of touching on that same point, I think, because I mentioned David Cronenberg before, and I think everybody who's a big film fan has got their, you know, few directors that were really yeah. the catalyst that mm. took you from being like, oh, I like films. Like most people, you know, oh, I like going to the cinema. Yeah, you put a film on, it's Friday night, it's nice. But to that person who is like, really like hyped up. I think uh, Spielberg yeah. was that director for me. Yeah. 
It still is for me. No, he wasn't. But I, I didn't. I couldn't. I didn't. Do you not your like, face, no, uh, no face do you not like Spielberg? No, I don't dislike Spielberg. Oh. But he's, we're saying he's not. He's not a cult director. He's uh, he's the best though. He just does it so well. I think Spielberg. He makes like the magical movies. Like he's not like as crappy as Disney. Like soppy in that. But for me, it's like yeah. Watch well, E.T. Close Counters the Third Kind. Like, well, I, can, I can recognise it in myself that, that Spielberg was the terminal just, just absolutely. W- they, they don't count. Just absolutely <laughs> as you described him, and then. And then I got to that sort of um, slightly self-important kind of studenty age, and probably started sniffing at Spielberg stuff a little bit, and, and thinking I, I was like beyond it in some way. Not to say that I don't like. I went through that period where I decided that I didn't like anything that was on at the cinema, and I was only ever going to watch art house stuff. And then you realise, a, it look, you look, you were, you start to become a bit of a wanker, and b, you're missing out on a lot of really good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And yeah. for me, I was going to mention um, somebody that I'm probably mentioned before is very dear to my heart, and, and was a real switch when I was probably seven. Which was David Lynch, sixteen, yeah. seventeen. I would, I would agree with I that. I saw like yeah. Eraserhead and Mulholland Drive. Like it, it did something that films up to that point, and maybe you know Cronenberg falls into the same categories with the early mm. horror stuff, but hadn't really done so much. Which was like getting me at this gut level. In fact, Cronenberg with Crash absolutely had that effect. Absolutely it. had this like turn of the stomach. What world am I in? Didn't now, Paul Haggis's crash do the same thing? Did that turn the Jeez, stomach as well? Man, that turned my eyeballs around <laughs> in my head. Yeah, that thing is is a. Is a but yeah, shame. no, there, there is there are some seminal movies for me as well. One one day, my dad came home with Cool Hand Luke on DVD, and all he said to me was, he handed it to me and said, "I think you really like this," and it's now like my favorite movie up there with Citizen Kane. It's not the world's best made movie, but because of that movie, I jumped on to like everything that Paul Newman ever did started researching all these other things found the new wave of Hollywood mm. and then I was like oh crap these movies did not exist before then like, yeah. and then you start learning about the fall of the studios and how that made The Graduate and Bonnie and Clyde and then George and that's, came that's the other thing and ruined everything yeah. with the blockbuster mm. that's the thing I love that's the other thing I love about film like someone puts a director in front of you like someone puts Suspiria in front of me mm. I forget who it was and was like oh I've read a bit about Suspiria I watched Suspiria I loved Suspiria and then went and watched loads of Giallo and sort of Italian splatter films yeah. and still now people will put directors in front of me and I go oh I quite like that yeah. and then you go what have they done and then you go well these were both and the fight with these people and you look back and suddenly you've missed a, you realise you've missed a whole movement of films yeah and it, I mean it's a doorway not only into other films by that director other directors in that genre and other yeah. parts of that genre but it's also a doorway into a different time period a pe- period of history yeah. uh, a, a, a different culture yeah. a different environment and places that you would never be able to visit whether temporally or sort of physically at the moment um, which is amazing actually on that point the reason it, if we really boil it down the reason I went to Korea and I ended up there for three years is films it's absolutely films like when I was at university I had a a, a reasonable interest in sort of Japanese culture but not in any kind of proper you know obsessive way my doorway was uh, Mike Takeshi and Japanese horror movies and um, all kinds of that that Japanese wave of horror that was sort of late 90s onwards and then really died, died and death. On and all that yeah, and then transferring over into the Korean new wave of films and probably why I ended up in Korea. Um, things like Park Chan-wook that everybody knows very well. Yeah. Um, and and that was it for me because film. because and that and that sounds like a stupid reason, but for me it isn't at all because there you see. Look, you know, look at this culture. Look at these people. Look at, you know, obviously I know everybody doesn't live like a vengeful serial killer yeah. or, or you know, some kind of haunted girl through the, the leaky roof or whatever. But um, it really excited me about the world that we live in and going to another place and seeing another place and, and being around other things. Yeah. And, and and films always done that for me. Really, is transportative in that way. I think. Yeah, but it, but it's not always perfect escapism, though, is it? 
Because there are some bad experiences that no matter how much you like film like I do, it can go terribly, terribly wrong. Are you segueing into six of the worst cinema experiences there, Connor? I think I might be going into, what is it? Hashtag Orange is the New Black. What is it? Hashtag <laughs> 6 OTV. 6 OTV. Yeah. Hashtag 6 OTW yeah. in this case. Six of the worst cinema experiences. True. We've got to change the hashtag. It's only existed for a week. New t-shirt for me then. Yeah. Yeah. Get it, get it done. Get, get it, it printed. Get it made. Get it made. Uh, well, I'm going to start with Sunshine. That's a brilliant movie. Though. I love I love the film. And again, this isn't necessarily about the films. This is about the experience in the cinema. So what happened? What was so bad about Sunshine? So, during Sunshine... Basingstoke, was it empirical... What's it? The, the, was this in Basingstoke? Let me, let me start that question again. <laughs> yes, was it was this, at the Basingstoke where were you, View. Paul? You know that like, segueing that you were yeah. doing so seamlessly? It's <laughs> it's all, not, wheels yeah. fell off. It was at the Basingstoke View, but I'll hasten to add, in this case, not my later example, in this case it wasn't the cinema's fault. Right. Coming up to the end, a phone rings. Not called for a start. No. The guy answers it. It keeps talking. And I politely go, will you get off the fucking phone, please? <laughs> that is very polite. That what problem polite. could he have with that? Well, what problem could he have with that? It then rings again and he answers it again. At which point I go, please, just get off the fucking phone. The film's about to finish. Like, I wasn't aggressive. Okay, I just used the F-bomb. Twice. Twi- <laughs> I used yeah. the F-bomb twice. But who answers the phone right at the end of the film? So the film ends... And we go, just as we're walking out out of the aisle, off of the seats, he's waiting for me. We go, did you say that, did you? I'm like, yes. And he went, do you want to fight? <laughs> I went, no, not really. All I wanted to do was enjoy the end of the film without interruption. Probably response? not the best comeback in the world. His response was, do you want to fight then? No. That's pretty much the end of the story. Yeah, but, I mean, that situation um, almost almost Danny boiled over. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's like the fourth pun of my entire thing. That's like, the thing. The great thing about having three on this, I've realised, is it gives people time to think of terribly <laughs> awkward puns. Yeah. I've got a pun brew and someone else talks. <laughs> it's the main benefit. But like, this, so that you went like, wh- why would you put your phone on loud in the cinema? I anyway? don't know. And I didn't want to fight. And thankfully, the only reason we didn't have a fight is because I was there with four other quite sizable men. That friends, sounded a bit right? odd as well. Yeah, they were my friends. Yes, yeah, so I wasn't just on a random cinema date with four sizable <laughs> men. dot com. <laughs> friend for a day yeah I've and got, I've got maybe just, a... it just killed it killed the magic of the film it took me out of the end it and it's just it, like yeah. okay my phone has gone off once by accident in the cinema and I felt awful for it but you don't answer it you just if it does happen and it shouldn't because you should put it on silent just don't answer it and it just took me out of the end of a film that I loved and ultimately marred my cinema experience yeah. of that film which it shouldn't have done yeah I mean maybe there's an honourable mention that I've got that is kind of similar to that one and also with phone screens the way they are it's not just people answering phones it's people texting in the cinema because you can see a phone screen from all the way at the top oh it's like some of the shots in sunshine it's dazzling when someone takes out their fucking iPad and it just blinds everybody in the the next couple of rows back Um, yeah I'm going to stick to my guns with my pick for the first contribution I'm going to make which is uh, going back to probably uh, 2004 3 something like that I was at university at the time and um, it's one of the only times I think where I've gone on like a sort of I don't tend to go too much where like a big group of people go to the cinema it's not really my thing I like to go with one or two people or on my own but on this occasion somebody else booked tickets and said right we're all going to see this film the film was um, Zack Snyder's film 300 which on its own merit I really strongly dislike but the cinema experience was so bad because listeners I've got a bit of advice before you go to the cinema don't drink heavily 
because <laughs> this is one of the only times I've entered a cinema very much drunk I, I was noticeably drunk at least to myself noticeably drunk to the people there I don't know and also the person who booked tickets I have as a lot of film you know obsessives have very particular taste in where is the optimal position E9 for viewing right it's my E9 even when we went to see uh, Paul and I went to see Fury Road Paul had booked the tickets and as we were walking further and further back in the screen I was like what the hell has he done but we were in IMAX so I made the right decision you did make a good decision in in hindsight you did but yeah he had booked the person who booked had booked the back row of the screen and right in the middle so I was stuck on the back row with no means of escape and I was feeling really really hyper and all I wanted to do was like go out and socialise and talk to people and have a good night and instead I was stuck watching sort of greased up semi-naked men screaming at each other for two hours and it just the whole experience was just terminally just irritating and I just wanted it to be over as quickly as possible and the whole screen was sort of swaying a bit from side (laughs) to side as though it really didn't help was it like there were 600 of them yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, right. I didn't understand that film. Really. Six hundred of the best. Six hundred of the best. Yeah, That's so may- maybe that started me off on the wrong foot with Zack Snyder, and I've kind of disliked everything since. But oh, really? yeah, a horrible, horrible experience. I oh, see that. That's that's really that's a shame. I think when a uh, when a movie can ruin when a movie experience can ruin a movie for you. Yeah, and even a director maybe for for me. But I think yeah. there are other reasons to dislike Zack like, Snyder. It's a conversation for another time. One, one of mine is The Ring Two. Okay. And I, I don't think I've seen it since, but as far as I'm aware, it's not a very good film. I don't know if... Is, is it? This is the... So this is like the, the American remake. Ring yeah. 2, yeah. Because I really enjoyed the the original remake, the, mm. the one with Naomi Watts. I had such a good time. I was thinking I was the perfect age. I was scared out of my head. And for me at that age, I thought it was better than the original ring, which might be sacrilege to say. Yeah, it's just silly. Yeah, it's, it's so, also it's not even silly or sexist. It's just, it's just wrong. wrong. It's yeah. wrong. But yeah. so I was really looking forward to seeing the second one. And when we went to see it, it was in some little crappy cinema in Scotland. And see, I've also been abroad. And <laughs> there was and there was like loads of teenage kids, girls that went to see it at the same time because they thought it was going to be a horror movie and they'd all be scared. And so they just start squealing and screaming at all the wrong places anyway. And so I was totally dragged out of the cinema experience of watching the movie. I wasn't in that movie. So it just ruined it Did for you me. swear at them and tell them to shut up? No, because I would have kicked my head in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they would have offered like you out for a fight yeah. in a gang. Exactly. And it's just, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's people making noise when they shouldn't be making noise in the cinema. The perfect cinema experience is when no one else buys a ticket. Yeah. And it's just you. A lot of people, a lot, you, I read a lot where people go, oh, you know, it is nice when a cinema's full, there's a better atmosphere. No, there isn't. King Kong, the end of that was ruined for me because someone started talking to their friends. I've still never been lucky enough to be in the cinema entirely on my own yet. Even at a 10 past 11 but, screen of Blue Ruin, but, some, guy wa- some guy walked in with popcorn to Blue Ruin. But you see, is that because I think, you know, like at the Oscars when they have seat fillers? Yeah. Uh, we talked about this with the Oscars <laughs> episode. They have these seat fillers and they have to be sort of impassive and not contr- uh, contribute anything other than being sort of vaguely attractive and blend yeah. into the environment. I think the ideal isn't being on your own. I think it's being in a cinema on your own except for the rest of the cinema is all seat fillers who aren't going to do anything they're not going to eat anything yeah. they're not going to really react Just maybe they'll, they'll react in a pre-programmed way of your deciding of your choosing you can, have a, you can have an emotion button yeah. so when you laugh you press the laugh button and everyone else it's laughs it's synced up like, oh, with, your, really... with your emotions yeah. yeah that would be better I mean there's probably psychological problems with thinking that way about <laughs> mass experiences but uh, Paul I think we're back around to you aren't we The Raid 2 at Cineworld Unlimited screening oh I can jump on board now, with this I will hasten to add that 
in terms of the experience that we had at Cineworld in Cheltenham, it wasn't the worst unlimited screening. Because I believe, in fact, it was James Webber, who we talked about earlier, had an even worse experience of it, where they just stopped showing the film completely and didn't finish of, it. The same rate of Raid 2. Of Raid 2, yeah. It was a catastrophe. It was a, nationwide, I think it was kind so of a catastrophe. The, I was impossibly excited about the Raid 2. Impossibly excited. I was sitting there, almost shaking in my chair. I was like, <laughs> oh my fucking God, the Raid 2 is about to start. So it started, and I thought, hold on a minute. Are they being really arty and not putting subtitles on? Or... Have Cineworld managed to chop the subtitles off the bottom of the screen? No well, way that can happen. Well, you see, I'm going to correct that memory slightly because how how I remember it anyway is getting a bit of uh, Rashomon or something over here. But <laughs> is that the opening of the raid too? And we can go back to it. But is um, there's no dialogue for about the first few That's minutes. It. Sorry, yeah. yeah. And then the dialogue yeah. kicks in, and you notice there are sort of char- half characters along that the is bottom what happened, line yes, of the screen. Because the opening right? is dialogue is dialogue free, so people went out to complain, and they restarted the film and they didn't just pick up from where it left off they restarted the film it started again and correct me if I'm wrong here Pete didn't the same thing happen twice oh yeah but of course because it's dialogue free for like three or four minutes you have to watch that sequence again thinking oh they've corrected it now so we're going to be able to read this the stuff in, the, in the fields isn't yeah, it when yeah. the car's driving yeah. up and, yeah. yeah there's like a sort of execution yeah. in, the, in the field at the beginning and you think right it's all going to be righted now right settle in here it comes ready to and then indeed it's exactly so the same so they stopped the film again because someone has rightfully complained so again they just zoomed so. in too far when they Aspect apparently it has something to do with the digital cinema the DCM file that they received yeah. correct me if I'm wrong tech heads out there but I believe it's called a DCM file apparently it had something to do with that so people went out again and they corrected it and the film started again but hugely letterboxed Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh, so like they just pulled, they or... pulled the, zo- like yeah. the zoom on the entire frame so that it, yeah, it was shoved into a little letterbox. So in, all in the, the writing was in like an eight. So the writing was kind of like overlapping the bottom of the, the yeah. actual visible. And part I'm sorry, of and I know people, it's one thing, one of the few things that annoys me that I tend to be the only one that ever complains about it is a film, you should not have to watch a film at the cinema letterboxed. That is not how the cinema works. Especially when it starts three times. So it started letterboxed, and I thought, no, I'm not putting up with this. I went outside, grabbed the member of staff, and said, Shook excuse me. And said, excuse me, it's still not right, it's letterboxed. He came, the member of staff came in and he went, nothing wrong with that, mate, you can see the subtitles now, can't you? So I, I want to speak to someone, I want to speak to a supervisor. Do you offer him outside for a fight? Yeah. <laughs> so I spoke to the supervisor, and he came in and he went, to be honest, mate, so that or nothing, it's the best we can do. Yeah, well, that's that customer Brilliant. service you've come to know yeah. and love. From and the, with the how chain. excited I was for that film, and then also it was another one of those films where where everyone was on their phones the entire time. And I think maybe I was more wary of that because it had wound me up in like the first place. Like every little thing is now going to. And I actually now. haven't watched the Raid Two since. Oh, because, I watched it the other week because that that experience, I was just like the Raid Two, and as you say, I actually remember the cinema, the bad piss poor cinema experience that yeah. World put on then. And that is their movie. their one job is to put films on in the correct aspect ratio, not sell us shitty popcorn or gallons of coke. Their one job is to get film projection right. They are a cinema, and that is what they are supposed to do. Yeah, and they ballsed it up. And I said, at least in other cinemas, to, everyone vented on Twitter. In other cinemas, they stopped the film completely and didn't even show it. So it was a complete shambles from cinema's yeah. path. Well, my next selection is, I guess, uh, sort of part of a, an ongoing saga in my life, which starts with the first of the uh, Lord of the Rings films coming out um, theatrically, which is going back ages, right? 15, it's 16, 17 years. 2001, was it? 2001, yeah. Yeah, a long, long time back. And I'd read the book previously as, a, as a kid. As a book? There is. is. It, this is the novelisation of the film. <laughs> that's right, right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It came out subsequently. Yeah. I've heard uh, that, yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah, so I'd read the book and I somewhat enjoyed it. It's not exactly in my wheelhouse, I think, but um, I got dragged along to every one of those Lord of the Rings in, in the trilogy fairly reluctantly, yeah. and they are long and they drag. And particularly the third instalment of that trilogy, where it ends about 18 times, and yeah. you know, it's all the boats pulling out and again, really, really long ordeal. Then jump forward to when Peter Jackson gets around to his next trilogy, which is the Hobbit trilogy, and um, I was taken along, and my girlfriend's a big fan of these. I think I've mentioned this before, so you know, I'm, I'm in for the long haul, I'm going to go to all nine hours or whatever it is, eight hours and um, fine there are parts in those films which are exhilarating really good really great action yeah. really well staged there are parts which are filler and which are self-indulgent I think and which go on far too long that all having been said we get into maybe two hours and a quarter two hours just and... where the story's beginning to, to yeah. form yeah. I'm making this a really long story in order to sort of mirror the experience yeah, thought, of, of that film I thought for a second that might be what you were doing yeah, yeah it's very meta so, what I'm doing yeah. here um, so we get very very near like you can I can almost tell taste the the victory of getting to the end of this thing and Peter Jackson maybe is going to do something else and we're like touching distance the whole way through this experience incidentally a row of children behind us two three children in the same family have been adding comments to the film like a commentary things like is he smoking at which point character on screen is clearly smoking and they know that Uh, is he crying now is he sat it was excruciating just as this like torment is about to be over the alarm sounds in the cinema the film stops and we're all evacuated because there's been some sort of like kitchen fire in one of the adjacent chain restaurants (laughs) so we're all evicted uh, we're all sent out evacuated I should say outside the cinema to stand in the cold and wait to maybe get back in it soon becomes apparent that we're not going to get back in and to this day because that's months ago now I've still never seen the last like 10 minutes of that however many hours what are we talking 18 hours or something yeah yeah, it's about a week Hobbiton or whatever that whole universe it was all a it was all a dream I feel like I've been to Middle Earth and back yeah (laughs) with Pete right there yeah well actually this is just uh, the the cliffhanger for the next installment (laughs) of this which I'm going to tell at great length in a bit and you're going to have to see you know my 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 final one is it's a toss up I think and the reason is one of them is not actually about me it's what happened to my brother and I kind of just want to say this because Bambi was being shown at Cinema so you've World. come in on your first yeah, and podcast I'm in and you've one. made it no, actually, I, yeah, no, I'm going to stick it with this one then this is the worst experience because I just I found it quite funny Bambi was playing at the cinema uh, and John hadn't seen it my brother so I was like let's go see Bambi why not see it on the big screen and kind of everyone knows what happens in Bambi except for John for some strange reason so we went along <laughs> watched it there's loads of kids everywhere and Bambi comes out into like the field and all that lot and then it's getting a bit tense. And then this kid just goes, is this where Bambi's mum dies? And I was like, you dick. And then the mum was just like, no, it's in the next bit. And I was like, oh, brilliant. And John's just like, well, that ruined it. <laughs> and like, as a 30-year-old watching Bambi amongst kids, and that was probably the, one of the worst. That, that's are- one of the worst experiences I've ever had. <laughs> no, it was yesterday the- when I got a Coke, and I asked for no ice, and they only filled it up halfway. And then I said, sorry, mate, can I get a top one? And he was like, no, it's one on the machine. 
That is Brilliant. also terrible. That's I mean, uh, just yeah. ruined the. That ruined San Andreas for me. Because my my honourable mention related to your guy picking up the phone story is watching that movie Shame with Michael Fassbender in a cinema where I was on my own and everyone was on their own and everyone was like about thirty to forty and single and clearly heartbroken <laughs> and we were all in there together. There was this weird atmosphere, but we were all enjoying it. And there's the bit where maybe she's committed suicide by the subway train and I was almost crying and it was really horrible and dark. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, a guy just like your story really. A guy's phone rings. He stands up where he is, answers it, full volume, just conversational Why? volume. And then to make like people glare at him a little bit, he walks. You know, around the corner, there's a little aisle leading into the the screen. Yeah. Which just amplifies the sound even further. Yeah, he's he's there as if like we can't see him, so we can't see <laughs> what he's doing, yeah. and just carries on talking. That's and you could fun. feel like this, this bristling energy of like all these yeah these broken men. And <laughs> someone in a minute is just going to snap. And and I thought it's going to be me. I've got to man up. I've got to do it. I'm going to have to talk to him. And I'm thinking like, I'm going to go over there. And and confront him it might get violent but that's okay you know I'll handle myself I've got a lot of pain inside right now and it'll come out and then just before I had the chance to do that you know it's always like one beat before you're going to act another guy sort of Cheltenham's finest is like shut the fuck up mate just screamed at him immediate silence immediate silence he scuttled out of the screening and we were all left to our own don't misery. go to the cinema if you want to chat that's basically it yeah. sit there and watch the movie and then leave and chat yeah shut the hell up and, and if it's like a, a, an affecting or emotional movie don't like munch really loud snacks the whole way through nachos brilliant no, no need get like a soft roll or like some grapes <laughs> or marshmallows like yeah marshmallows and put them in a cloth bag oh, that's, that's Marco <laughs> mode I've stolen that I'll credit him but yeah think about it before you go in you're around other people you know. which I think brings us to about the time we should probably shut the fuck up yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> before <laughs> so, someone stands up yeah. and kicks off thanks for having me on guys am I, am I do I get to do this again well we're going to send this to a listener vote um, <laughs> on the website we'll have a straight yes or no uh, in or out <laughs> Victor maybe we should all be up for a Eviction, and then <laughs> we go down week. to a two-man depending on the public vote. But yeah, it does wrap us up for today. Other than to say um, the usual business, which is uh, SoundCloud is where we host all of the shows. Strangers in the Cinema is the uh, tag name of all of that. Hashtag uh, Strangers in Cinema on Twitter. Yeah, hashtag Six OTB. That'll be trending if anybody yeah. cares. Um, yeah, so Strangers Cinema at gmail.com for any correspondence with the show, any questions, complaints, uh, requests for eviction of any of the members and contributors <laughs> of the show. Um, other than that, yeah, keep eyes out. On iTunes, Stitcher, yeah, all, the, kind of, all, all the that places, kind of good stuff. All, all the, the places. places. And um, look out for written reviews of The Prey and TP2 that we've covered for today's show as well. Um, but yeah, that is um, goodbye from me, Pete. Goodbye from me, Paul. And goodbye from me, Connor. Hell. Look at that.